0: welcome everybody. My name is Trent Dean and this is the second episode of the Alt Ministries podcast. With me tonight I have a very awesome guy. Um, he's my first guest on any podcast I've ever done. His name is Pastor Josh Adkins from the Loft Church in Heron, Illinois. Um, this, this man is no ordinary man. He seems totally normal, totally gentle, but he's an absolute general in the body of Christ, he just might not know it yet. And as far as innovation goes, I've never seen a pastor more innovated in my life. Um, How are you doing tonight, Josh?
1: Uh, I'm good, that was quite the introduction I wasn't prepared for. (laughs) I hope I can set a decent precedent for your first podcast.
0: Well, (laughs) anyone that knows you already knows who you are and what you do. I don't think we'll have a problem with that. Um, So first of all, man, just tell me a little bit about you where you come from, maybe a little bit of your testimony and uh, we'll just go from there.
1: Sure. Um, well, I like what you said and I like one part of what you said. I, mean, I, <laughs> I appreciate, I, I appreciate the, the encouragement on the others, but I am totally a normal dude. Very normal. Um, my sense of humor gets me in trouble. I'm so normal sometimes. Uh, but I grew up in a very just typical Midwest family. Um, typical in the sense that we were middle class, if you will. Um, coal miners is is what most people around Southern Illinois uh, were known for in the generation before mine, and then they kind of they kind of waned now with coal mining in our area, especially in the economy we've been in the last couple of decades. But um, yeah, it's a small area, so I grew up with kind of those Midwestern values, but I was birthed into this evangelist family. Um, my father, being a coal miner, learned, well, he, he met the Lord, and long story short, he learned to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and it changed his life, and so um, one, of the, one of the things that God did through him was he always had this passion and this, this really beautiful gift for music and singing in particular. He was actually signed to RCA Victor uh, the, the same recording label with Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and all these guys were on at, at, in his day uh, in the 60s early 60s and that old gospel
0: music huh uh,
1: yeah <laughs> some of it well some of it was and then some of it just like my dad wanted to be a rock and roll star okay and when he got saved uh, of course um, long story short he laid that down Um, he knew his, his recording contract actually canceled the day after my dad prayed, God, if I'm not doing what you want me to do, do something about it. And the next day they called and canceled his contract that he had for a couple of years. Um, but he, over that course of that six, seven year period of just getting to know the Lord, he learned how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, and so God opened a door with a number one song in Christianity that, surprised him um, they flew him down on national television you know so we're he's a midwestern coal miner going on like the biggest christian tv network in the entire world and they you know not to say anything disparaging about christian tv at the time but there were a lot of issues a lot of, there, there were some real people for sure uh, but there was a lot of kind of phony television stuff that went on and they're like well who's this who's this guy coming in who uh, they I guess I could say this about my dad. He, he's so full of integrity. That's one thing, my dad's a normal guy and he has flaws, but very full of integrity. Uh, and he would never cheat anybody. Um, he's an, he was a federal coal mine inspector before uh, he, he came into ministry. And so one of the things you learn in that is to be very impartial and try to be very uh, honest and truthful, no matter what side of the coin the truth lands on, whether it's for the company or the union. And I remember growing up, actually, one of the core things he <clears throat> instilled in me was to be impartial as you can. Don't side with the company or the union, son, side with the truth and, and have the guts to do that. And I actually think that that's playing out to this day in my life. So anyway, it's not like I'm giving my father's testimony, but this was just, um, this was what I was born into. So so the song went number one, um, and he literally had more invitations than he could could handle and we we're they were traveling the world for several years and then i was born i was a miracle birth i wasn't supposed to be born and that's it's, that's a whole story I maybe i'll say for another time but uh god literally healed me in my mother's womb and seven months into her pregnancy wow. everything before that was was very dark and uh, my brother actually died from the same issue that i had nine years earlier um, they, they said don't have any more children so My parents had grown in the Lord. They prayed. My mom laid hands. He shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And that's what happened Uh, when I was born. That's awesome. I I was totally healthy. And actually, my mom prayed I wouldn't exceed eight pounds. It was kind of a want after I got healed at seven months. She just said to my dad, Mike, she said, "Will you agree with me that he won't exceed eight pounds. I've had increasingly large children every time they get bigger. And I would just, you know, I prefer not to have a horrible, painful Uh, birthing experience. And so when I was born, I was totally healthy and I weighed exactly 8.00 pounds on the nose.
0: Oh man.
1: So uh, I have the birth certificate of that. I actually asked my parents for several years ago so that whenever we do conferences and stuff, I always throw that up on the wall so they can see, oh, I'm not making that up. Um, So I knew from a child, I was, I knew who Jesus was because I was just literally birthed in this family that was traveling the world. And I saw God do these really amazing things. But my dad was not a preacher per se. He was just a storyteller. And he sang, of course, and he had his beautiful voice and his songs were anointed because he learned to let the Holy spirit write them. So these are all kind of some core values that were instilled in me. I think that have really uh, paid dividends now that I'm a man myself. Um, This desire to, to have impartial integrity um, and to learn, to hear the voice of the Lord and try to make decisions as best I can from those and thank God for his mercy, uh, because I was not headed that way until 19 years old. I had a kind of a high school stint where um, I got off a little bit. I never ran away from God completely, but just went through high school stuff. And then at 19, I had a radical encounter with Jesus, changed my life, and I've been running towards him ever since.
0: Wow. Yeah. Man, that must have been something else i mean i grew up with a mom on on fire for the lord too but you know definitely mm-hmm. none of the traveling definitely none of the the recognition and and all the things that might even come with that
1: well so, it definitely yeah it definitely has pros and cons um, yeah but i would say like, i think my it wasn't like the you know what, what we would see today on these uh documentaries about famous families or something That like, christian fame is is something a little different. Um, But I think we were really well grounded because my mom and dad were really well grounded and they understood it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. There was no funky fame stuff that followed, followed them home. So even if it was on the road at at times, and by the way, we met a lot of incredibly beautiful people. So I don't want to, I don't want to give the image that, you know, Christianity that's quote unquote fame, famous is all bad. It's just, It has its trappings it's it's got flesh attached very easily
0: and there's bad apples wherever you go you know sure it's just part of it so after you you have this radical radical encounter at 19 how does that go from then to the actual like inception of the loft church
1: so um at 21 years old i would about that time i was i was at college I knew that I was supposed to be in the ministry. I just knew it from the moment the Lord filled my heart, filled my spirit with his at 19, but I didn't know how to get there. Um, and I, I remember actually saying, Lord, if you don't want me to school, I I will quit. And I spent uh, a weekend praying about it and I just felt like he never spoke anything to me. So I said, if you don't tell me anything, I'm going back. And, uh, I, and I did. And so I went back to school. But it, during um, college, I was a journalism major and I took a lot of media classes, which I now seem paying off in my life. But um, I knew I was in ministry, but I was a chicken. I was an absolute chicken. Or I knew I was supposed to be in ministry, but I, I was like, couldn't reconcile the fact that I just didn't have any boldness. Um, I grew up really insecure, actually, because um, I was much smaller than a lot of my friends. I was a late bloomer my friends were always, I don't know why I chose these friends if I would have been thinking a different way, but I, I was choosing them from a heart level. All of my friends, literally my core friends of like seven people were either six three, six four, or or 6'5". And I'm 5'11", uh, but I didn't even hit my growth spurt until I was 16 or 17. I think I hit puberty after I was had a driver's license. So uh, you know, that was really just, it's high school, man. It's like one of those times. So One of the things I did to compensate was I had a a really sharp uh, tongue and I I could cut you up and down with my humor, my sarcasm, uh, and humor became a kind of a weapon at that time to compensate for all this deep insecurity I had. So this kind of carried over into college and even into the Lord. I loved people because he changed my heart. Uh, but I still had a lot of insecurity. And so I was, um, trying to witness to this couple one day because they were talking about God and, um, in terms that were very, um, well, inaccurate. I mean, they would just thought he was this monster and Jesus had touched me, you know, changed my life. And I knew he was good and not what religion had made him out to be. But I just, I had 30 seconds in a subway line in college in my student center and I chickened out. I just, I, my heart was compelling me to say something, but I was like, what will they think of me? That was my big hang up. What will people think? Or what if they don't think enough of me? So I crossed the street. I remember just feeling like I failed God, you know? Right. And I had such a heart to serve him, but I felt like a failure. And I and I got really honest and I, I looked up to heaven. I mean, like while I'm crossing the street with a subway bag in my So it's like spiritual, but not at all. I literally have a subway bag in my, and I I prayed and I said, God, I'm a wimp for your gospel. And -hmm. I just became really honest. And I said, would you give me strength? Uh, And I, I didn't realize what I was asking. I was was asking Acts one, eight, you know, you shall receive power or strength in another way, dynam dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, I knew the Holy Spirit was in, within me, but uh, I, I went back to my dorm room, and I just had this urge, like this to rising up in my heart, to go study the book of Acts. And I, it was not that I had, hadn't read it before, but I wanted to know, what, how did these guys witness to people? How are they so bold? You know, I want to be like them. So I went down to my study lounge, and I started reading, and I read nine chapters, I didn't, nothing, nothing happened. Nothing supernatural happened. I just was reading and taking it in. And I got to the part where Paul was converted to Saul, or I'm sorry, Saul to Paul on the road to Damascus. And then Jesus goes to, he's blinded. And then Jesus goes to visit this, this regular old guy that we would say one of us uh, Mm -hmm. named Ananias. He's just a disciple. He's the only time he appears in the new Testament, just a regular disciple, not Ananias in chapter five, that dropped dead. But, another one in chapter nine (laughs) and Jesus says to him, I want you to go lay hands on this man named Paul or Saul of Tarsus. And uh, he's at this place, such and such. And, you know, Ananias protests. He's like, don't you know who this guy is? It's the guy that's like trying to round up Christians and they're getting killed and martyred and persecuted and like God, like Jesus doesn't know. And uh, Jesus says, go do this for this man is my chosen vessel. And I've chosen him to bear my name before kings and Gentiles. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Something about that passage. When I read that passage, I didn't expect this anymore. I think one of the expressions is to be, to have been the first man to walk on the moon. I didn't expect this for anything. But when I read that passage, something about the call on my life, I think, to to lead and to travel and different things, which, you know, will continue to, to go on and on. Hopefully if I continue following the Lord, but something about there's a sovereign moment and the Holy spirit suddenly fell on top of my head and it was like warm liquid, honey fell on my head and I'd never experienced this in my life. Now I'd seen things my whole life, but I'd never experienced that. And it kept coming down my face tangibly. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a chill bump. It wasn't a, it was powerful. And then it got to my chest and when it got to my chest and I tried to cry, I've told this story a hundred times, but just the impact of this moment changed my entire life. And when it filled, it it began to fill my chest as if like someone was pumping uh, air into my chest, but it was liquid love is the only way I can describe it. Like hot liquid love in my chest. And I kept breathing. And the more I would breathe, I was like, I can't take anymore. You know, like the love is too great. And I just kept, it just kept overwhelming more and more. I thought it was like, and I don't mean to be melodramatic, but I thought I was going to die from love.
0: Like it's so good and you want it to stop, but you're afraid for it to stop at the same time.
1: Yeah, I never, I, I knew something undeniably supernaturally was ha- supernatural was happening mm-hmm. um and i knew it was the best thing i'd ever encountered in my entire life and it filled me up so much that i i began to profusely weep and then i began to laugh uncontrollably and then i began to like spew out tongues
0: like in uh, the study lounge
1: in the study lounge there's no one in there um i shut the door thank you know thankfully Well, maybe not for better or worse, but there was like a divine. I didn't see anything with my eyes, but it was the most tangible encounter probably I've had to this day, believe it or not, you know, um, myself receiving.
0: So it's deeply personal.
1: Yes. And I stood up and I started dancing, which then I knew something really was happening. I don't don't know, a white guy, I don't dance. Um, And uh, I was in the study, 45 minutes this went on so overwhelming i couldn't contain myself and i'm not exaggerating uh and i I walked i i just suddenly became aware that god is right next to me like the reality of who he was wasn't far away anymore he he came near and Mm -hmm. i literally for the next 24 hours thought i was going to see jesus i i don't know how to explain it in words other than i i could turn around and think he I thought the person of Jesus was standing right next to me or an angel or something was literally standing next to me.
0: Uh, Man, I understand that. I've been in prayer sometimes, afraid to open my eyes because I believe like Jesus is standing there and it's going to be so wild that I'm not going to be able to handle it. So I just stay there with my eyes closed and keep, keep praying, like trying to somehow prepare myself for it for a site like that it hasn't happened yet but there's been a couple times where i was pretty sure
1: yeah well the fruit of that encounter was the boldness that i had asked for suddenly had had been deposited in my heart and it was like i my personality changed Mm. i mean i wasn't complete a completely different person but i wasn't timid anymore to the point where (laughs) like like people were put off almost by the zeal that suddenly was put in my heart which i know you're you know this because you have this i've seen this similar zeal in you and you know over the years it becomes more and more tempered with wisdom but at the same time there's still this fire in your bones that you cannot shut up it literally i understood the scripture for the first time in my life and then when i would begin to pray for people uh they would start falling for the first time in my life and i saw them beware of the supermarket Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, the fire of God would come on him and it wasn't just people who were spooky, charismatic. It was, it was Baptist. It was reserved. Yeah. They were getting baptized in the spirit and praying in tongues or speaking in tongues and falling out and going out into, uh, every once in a while I'd see like a trance or a vision and things like that. And those, and I would preach on the street corner, you know, like I'd read the Bible out loud in street corners and stuff. And I just, I've never been able to look back. So, you know, you, you asked me a broad question, but and I don't mean to go long, but uh, from there, the short version is, I carried that presence on me and, and in everything I did for a couple of years, maybe three years. And then I went through a broken engagement and I felt really guilty and a lot of self-hatred kind of stuff. I, I wasn't really super versed in my identity, in my heart. Okay. Um, and I was working for God with the power of the Spirit, but I wasn't walking in kind of that sonship understanding in the depths of my heart. So whenever this this engagement broke and it rocked me, I, I began to hate myself so that other people hopefully would have mercy on me. It was my some sort of warped idea? Yeah, you know? I totally pen, understand like, that. Almost like penance, you know, like this very warped thing.
0: One thing I've been teaching in grief counseling. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, is- right. Yeah. Is that sympathy is one of the most addictive things on the planet. Yeah. And it's very easy to make loss of any kind, whether it be like a broken engagement, like you're talking about, or the loss of a loved one. It's it, it, the, the vile trick of it is to make it about you. Yeah. And then when you begin to crave that sympathy and that sympathy over time identifies you. Mm -hmm. And now you're in need of validation constantly.
1: Yeah. Right. And, and I, at that point, uh i never left the lord and i ran back to him and you know f- full bore as my my only source of love but uh the the presence had waned for my life and right. for the next 10 years i was in a desert concerning the presence of god and then i moved back home uh went through a couple cities there were a couple random jobs and i moved back home to our small town of southern illinois to just kind of wait on the Lord for what I was supposed to do next, and I became very, very ill uh, for about three years. Actually, I had to move with my parents. Uh, almost died several times. It was just like the enemy tried to kill me and
0: right. trying uh, to snuff out that flame.
1: Yeah, so I think it was 2012-ish. I started going to this house church, hmm. and there were some young people there, mostly older people though. And they were just prayer people. And that was one thing I wasn't the strongest in, which is ironic because I, I was such a teacher. I loved the word, but I, I was not the best with prayer. I just, I craved interaction so much. I, I, I lacked faith to believe that the Lord actually heard me and he was with me in prayer. And of course I've grown mm-hmm. in that now, but um, I, I just began crying out to God. I want the glory back. Would mm-hmm. you give me the glory of God? I'm so hungry. You know, I've read all these books I, in college. I'd weep on my floor reading John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth and Maria Woodward-Tedger and Catherine Coleman. All these generals we read about who were empowered by the spirit and, uh, and even Billy Graham, you know, and Reinhard Bonnke. There's the poster behind me on the wall right above my frame here. It's, I've had it on my wall since 19 and it's passion for souls. Um, Just soul unstoppable
0: of men of the Lord, yeah. But the men, Lord doesn't men always women.
1: send you. He doesn't always send you directly into the mission field right after you come out of the womb, sort of speak spiritually. Yeah. That's one thing.
0: That's one thing I figured out in in this what we call the Christian life, right? Yeah. Is is God is just way more interested in your character and who you are right. as opposed to what it is you do.
1: Yeah, and it like, takes time.
0: Yeah, like there's time. people. I think that's where we get into the problem with some of these flaky folks that we have. Uh, teacher wise that are, man, they can move in the spirit and then the gifts, but they're, they're having all these moral, moral failures and everything behind the scenes. It's that character. Right. So when you you do move, you, you actually move like Christ because he moved in character in that relationship with his father.
1: Hopefully so. Yeah. I, I remember being in those young years, maybe 21 or so I was filled with the spirit. I was at my first, meeting with my dad. It was one of the only dad dad son things I ever did with him, but I, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. We were in New York state and I remember praying in a bathtub because my dad was snoring so loud. I had to sleep in the bathroom. <laughs> and I remember this conviction coming over my heart in the hotel room. I don't know what it was. I think we just watched something, a scandal of some kind on Christian television or on the news and it involved a Christian of some kind. And I remember saying to the lord i said jesus i i pray you even write this down in heaven as a marked moment in my life i don't i i please don't let me fall right i said whatever you have to do in my heart to keep me from having a moral failure that if you use me in ministry one day to a larger scale please do something in my heart that causes me to be solid. I know that anybody can do, I know anybody can fail. I I know sin could capture anybody. We're we're not immune in this life, but whatever you need to do. And sometimes I wonder if that's why he took a while (laughs) because (laughs) I prayed that prayer because it took from 22 till about 33 for this desert. I mean, I was working in the woods With my dad, we're making $30 a day when I was 31, 32 years old. You know, I was working at retail, every retail, I've had like 19, 20 retail jobs. I never got fired from one, but I just always worked these really, really low income. And there's nothing wrong with those jobs. That's what you need to do. And it actually taught me a lot of things I needed to learn, but I hated it. (laughs) Right, right. I wanted to be in the ministry and I was miserable selling Dollar Tree, you know, and and, uh, whatever sonic and all these different places. So, but it built character. And so Mm -hmm. did working in the woods and so did not getting my way all the time. And um, all these things were very important. And then for two years, we prayed that the glory would come back in my, my life and in our, in our house church. And I, I remember praying this prayer. I gathered, we kind of gathered everybody around this mantra. If you will give us your glory uh, we will even, we will, we're willing to lose our reputation. Mm because I knew that enough from before that people often didn't like the move of the Holy spirit. Yep. You know, I had been yep. through some, some tough church relationships where they basically would kick you out. And I wasn't the rebellious type. I was, I was very serving and, and loyal and humble, but, but they didn't like the power of God that I moved in because they didn't understand why they didn't move in it. And in many ways, maybe I was of less character than they were at the time, but because of my hunger, and my humility to the Lord, in at least asking God for strength, he, he did mm-hmm. that for me. Uh, so I said, we'll lose a reputation. And then, um, to go ahead if you want to ask something else.
0: But. Uh, I was just going to say, sometimes we need a little taste that yes gives us that hunger that pushes us forward. So we operate real heavily in certain things for these sporadic short seasons, it seems like. And it kind of just goes away. You don't see the same type of results. And I think that's to drive us back mm-hmm. back into prayer, back into seeking him. It just gave us that taste. I had no idea like healing <laughs> was like a thing, like growing mm-hmm. up at all. I mean, I knew we could pray for someone to like not die. Yeah. You know, like that was about that was about as as all as I known. Sure. Um, but I remember I want to say about a week to three weeks after being born again while at work, I was born again at work, uh, praying for a client who was an ex-Marine who got crushed by his Humvee because they got blown up by an IED Mm. and seeing his leg grow about, I don't know, almost two inches in my hand.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I honestly can't tell you who was more freaked out.
1: (laughs) It messed you up, huh?
0: It messed me up. It messed him up. We were messed up. Yeah. It was wild. So, I mean, I went from like zero grid to like watching it happen in a matter of a week or two or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was just insane.
1: You know, that's a really good point. And I, I, because we're doing a podcast, I'm probably being more verbose and I hope it's okay. But uh, I, I think there is this, I, well, I know that there is this idea in church culture and I've, I've seen it. I saw it all growing up. And the traveling to those hundreds and hundreds of churches, I've seen it since in people that are asking us, you know, how how do we move in the presence that, how do we get that in our church? And the number one thing that I've run across, and I don't say this with any condescension because the Lord can, you know, I I need the mercy of God as much as anybody, but um, people have this idea that we can ease into the Holy Spirit. We can we can uh, do a, we can do some sermon series. We can uh, we don't want to freak anybody out. So We're just going to kind of ease
0: into it. We're just going to tip. Our we're going to introduce and, the idea.
1: Yeah, and then of when, the Holy then, Ghost. When we're ready, then the Lord will do it. Yeah. And I just want to say to anybody listening, that's never how God does that.
0: <laughs> it is not.
1: You will always be dead, dry wood, if you do that. When with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> everybody says the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Well. He is, and he's not at all. You know, yeah. the Holy Spirit is a gentleman in some contexts. He's
0: very assertive.
1: In other contexts, <laughs> he's a mighty rushing wind. Yeah, he will blow your house down, and he yeah. will set it back up again. And it's not always uh, the easiest thing. And he is uh, a violent fire that will come and rest yeah. on you. He overtakes you. He is—he's a force, man. Like. Yeah, this idea of a wimpy Holy Spirit and a powerful father, and then, like, this my one of my friends says, Gumby Jesus. I <laughs> laughing. It's really such a false perception of who God is. Oh, yeah, He is so loving, and we're so um, one dimensional in our thinking sometimes in Christianity. Oh, yeah, He's He's very multi dimensional. The same God who is extremely loving is the same God that, that caused John to fall on his face because he's trembling with looking at fire in his eyes you know yeah this is a very like this is a powerful scary fearful thing consuming fire god
0: yeah and, and it's the baptism of the holy ghost it's being immersed you're not slowly right exactly. letting your body acclimate to the water you're just being dunked
1: it's a death yeah it's a baptism into death in in another way it's like you know the bible talks about baptisms plural Mm-hmm. and it is it is another death it's a death to your soulish realm you know like mm-hmm. born again is a death to the spirit and right. the, the old spirit uh, sort of speak and and so that you can come alive in a new spirit but baptism of the holy spirit in many ways is like the takeover of the holy spirit that's merged with your spirit taking over your soul and even your body and now you're completely taken over it i wouldn't say possessed because the devil possesses people but god uh takes over you in a way that he's like he becomes your husband and, right. you are, and he has one wife and he doesn't, you don't get it. There's nothing else. So he's in, and he's a King also
0: mm-hmm. so
1: you become a servant to the King and he is in charge. So when you yield to him, it's the best thing you could ever do, but make no mistake. He's in charge.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. Randy
1: Clark, Randy Clark talks about him. He's like the lot He's a lion. He's a lion that will come in and roar and, you know, blow the dust off the seat, so to speak. And it's not to mix metaphors. But so this is, a, that's a really great point. And I think people who are always listening to people who've encountered the Lord or walk in miracles, and they're like, there's this weird uh, romanticizing of these people. I'm telling you, like, I am absolutely the most normal person in the world. And all that happened was I I just begged God kind of, kind of with, with faith in my heart, like, I'm it. I'm done with my life. I want a takeover. I want you to absolutely take over everything I am. And here's the promise I'll make with you, Lord, as much as I can make a promise. If you will do this, I will listen to you in the meetings. I will give them completely over to you. I will lose control. I will not control things.
0: The glory in spite of your reputation.
1: Right. And that's the number one reason I believe personally. This is just a personal opinion. But the number one reason the American church doesn't see the power of the Holy Spirit, even in this "quote-unquote" spirit-filled settings, is because of control. Mm-hmm. People are demon-possessed, board-possessed, uh, bulletin-possessed in their churches, and we're talking—I'm talking about churches now, but even personally, yeah—we have to absolutely give up control. He loves yeah. it.
0: You know, I would say and
1: it's is worth it. I mean, it's—it's it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's—it's it's so funny because it, the whole—you know. I know God is all loving and he is love. I mean, first John illicitly says that says it two times, Yeah. but at the same time, love is so overwhelming and it's so unafraid of confrontation because it's so for your benefit that it is not concerned about your reaction to it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's for you. I confront you. If I care for you, I don't confront you if I care for me. Yeah. That's why we beat around the bush and you know, you know, mom's got a drinking problem. We need to confront her. No one wants to. That kind of thing. No, you confront her because you love her. What is happening in her life is destroying her. And you love her more than that. You can be the bad guy, so to speak. So it's mm-hmm. funny because we think like God's, you know, I think God has left me. No, he's just, he just went to make a whip. And he's coming back. <laughs> and he's going yeah. to start flipping tables and driving all the crap out that doesn't even be there.
1: That's right. Zeal, zeal for your house has consumed me.
0: Mm-hmm. But and sometimes he has to come back with that force.
1: And we are the house, mm-hmm. and so he is going to. He owns us. The moment we surrender to him, he has bought us, purchased us, and and really he owns everybody in a way. But he's not a taskmaster. But he will come. He's a jealous lover. And he will come and drive out the 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 money changers and the thieves in our temple, and right. uh, it's we either going to have that happen through some kind of fire that we encounter. That's not going to be good, or you can surrender to the fire and it becomes a good thing. So it's the same fire, like which, which way are you going to enter it? And um, anyway, to, to, to finish the story of how we came to have our church was from that place. Um, it took about a year and a half, two years, and things began to increase in that house church. The presence of God began to increase, began to see some things Uh, And then I saw this guy named Brent Kelly uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, and he's now a really close friend. He was just here actually last weekend. Um, And he was walking in the same presence, if not more as what I had in college. Okay. And I was seeing people on his page, you know, like laid out in the streets and the Holy spirit. And, and I was watching his theology really closely, you know, like, like ensure He's not like universalist or something or weird, but he, he's just kept preaching the pure gospel he understood sonship. He moved in the power of the Holy Spirit in ways that I hadn't seen in years outside of, you know, maybe some of my great heroes in the faith. And uh, so I invited him up. I said, we got to have this guy up. I knew what we were getting, but some of our people didn't know what they were getting.
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs> Sneak attack. He
1: came up. Yeah, he came up, preached the purest Jesus gospel. Such, it actually, it about love, which is what's ironic. And then afterwards, he laid hands on people. When he laid hands on people, he just would touch their shoulder. He didn't push them over. He didn't scream in their face. He just said, yeah, just come, Holy Spirit. And these people that I had done life with for two, three years, who I knew day in, day out, were falling out on the floor going into these just full-blown encounters with God. And it was changing their life. And before we knew it, we had 60, 70 people in that place. And then the enemy came. And to try to destroy it because people left uh, a few people who didn't understand the move of the Holy spirit and they started rumors and twisted things up and Mm -hmm. basically it came down to the reality is there were three of us that said, we cannot relent from what the Lord has done. The rest of them wanted to pull back, said, Oh, it's just getting a little too. And uh, listen, like I'm a word person. I spent those 10 years on the word without the presence again. So I'm actually Mm -hmm. really grateful for that because the Lord grounded me really heavily in the words. Like, don't you ever contradict the word, son.
0: And doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so, and so I carried that, but at the same time I had this passion for the Holy spirit and uh, I realized now what the Lord was doing. It's like, if you're going to lead in what I called you to do, which was his choice, not mine. uh, It was like, you're going to have a Jonah moment if you run from it. So I didn't choose to be a leader. Like he, he put me in that, but he took me through this kind of desert of my youth just getting my youth burnt out of me and instilling in me the word of God. So when the Holy spirit did come in full, I said, Hey guys, this is the Lord and here's why. And I began to present to them, but they still didn't want him because they were afraid. Right. And so three of us were kind of left to ourselves. We were literally not just, you know, since we're on the podcast, you know, we were asked to not come back to, on the premises. Now all that's kind of come back around now, and we've been invited back. And most of those people have come and back around and encountered the Lord, which is beautiful.
0: That's what happened to John Wesley. Yeah. And then 10,000 people came and met him in a field.
1: Right. Well, I haven't had the 10,000 yet. Right. Uh, in the, at least personally, I'm starting to see thousands in Pakistan over Zoom. But um, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And so we, we came over to our my, my loft apartment, which was my new apartment that I had. Uh, and God filled it. We had 90 something people in the apartment in four months. The same stuff was happening. Uh, the presence of God was here, people getting saved, drug addicts getting saved, he- people getting healed, demons coming out of my carpet left and right. I know he's joking, <laughs> like, you're not allowed to throw up on my carpet or whatever you're going to do. I had this really beautiful white carpet, you know. <laughs> I was like, don't, you're not allowed in Jesus' name. So, but yeah. Put the tarps a, down. Yeah. We had a crash course in my apartment. And so I found myself pastoring a church, and I didn't want one, I didn't want to pastor. Um, that's how it came to be. And we're five and a half, almost six years in
0: now. You know, one of the things I've noticed with really effective pastors is that 90% of them never wanted to be a pastor. Probably true. And, and probably (laughs) half of them never even tried to actually get into ministry. They were just happy doing what it is they were doing, wherever it is they were doing it, whether it was work or home or whatever. That's right. And then people wouldn't stop approaching them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen that to be the case with a lot of people. When I was first came in and I was just, I was all zeal and no wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. that's all I wanted. I was, I had to get into church. I had to get into a church, come to find out. I don't, I don't want into a church. I, I know how they operate. And I don't, there's a lot of that. I don't want anything to do with, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to be very different <laughs> or had to, I would have yeah. to, you know, begin one or something like that but as soon as i got over that need uh like like all the way over the need Mm -hmm. that's when like hey people people are going to be like or have been starting like when are you going to do this when are you going to do that you should do this why don't why don't you have you know get people together over there and and i'm like yeah no mm -mm." yeah (laughs) i I deal with people i mean i'm i work for a secular company uh, drug and alcohol rehab and clients all the time. They're like, how come you don't pastor somewhere? And I look at them and said, what do you think I'm doing? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like if I'm not here, who will be.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And when that season's over, that season's over. And I'm fine with that, but it's been about six years Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I love every minute of it because these people know they have a problem Mm -hmm. and it's real easy. (laughs) You go to church a lot of people don't think they have a problem.
1: Well, many of those people wouldn't set foot in a church, and you're going to them.
0: And the rea- reality is,
1: 95% of the church are not called to be in the fivefold ministry. I'm not saying this of you, because right. you know you very well, mo- very well, maybe, and you know that. But there, 95% of the church are called to be in the marketplace, as we as we say. And mm-hmm. I think we've done a disservice, even even, the Lord's convicted me about it over the years. Um, John Bevere just came out with a really great book about this called X Factor, I think, and, yeah. or X, I think, um, and it's about. Uh, there was this doctor that was serving in a church uh, for a conference, and he was putting out pamphlets on all the seats and in, in the church. And the pastor came over and was like, he, "This guy's like a really respected doctor in the region, uh, like a surgeon, a high-level surgeon." And he said, "He said, oh, doctor, doctor, you don't don't do that. Don't do that. Like that's." That's for somebody else here, not you. And the doctor said, no, please do not take this from me. This is my one chance every year to get to serve for the kingdom of God. And John Bevere is saying the pastor in that moment had this reality check and it really convicted his heart. So like, this is the mindset that we've are sometimes instilling in church people is that, you know, these, the people up here in the pulpit, these fivefold ministers, if you believe in the fivefold, which I do, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. These are the guys that do this stuff. Everybody else just sits in the pews and you, know, you pay your tithe and come listen to us talk you know, and do our thing. And the reality is like that doctor had missed out on the fact that being a surgeon who is filled with Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit was what, where his call truly was and that he was saving lives of people who would become something in ministry one day, or, or he would save people. Let's put it this way. He could save people literally from going to hell Yeah, because he'd mm-hmm. saved their life and then they, they could find the Lord and Set. not, not to mention, you know, be healed sometimes through his surgery and mm-hmm. all the different facets. So you
0: know, I've those, heard testimonies of surgeons, not able to save someone on the table praying mm-hmm. And then being saved on the table after that. Yeah. And that's just incredible. Um, so this,
1: this goes into every aspect of life. And I think this is part of, you know, one of the things we're trying to instill is that every believer, not every believer is called to ministry, but every believer is called to ministry.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just a different type. I mean, not everyone is right. an, in a, an equipper. Some of us yes. are meant to be equipped. And those who are equipped are going to be effective because they have the tools. Right, you know who's more powerful—the the the soldier who's been given the gun or the guy that gave it to him? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be more effective? You know, they both play their part, but ultimately, one's out on the front lines, actually getting the work done. Um, so, just real quick, as simply as you can, um, when you look at church today, or what we you know know as the American church, or the church model, whatever you want to call it. What do you think needs to change if it needs to change? And what, where do you think we should be going?
1: Uh, I, I think 2020 was a, rather than my opinion, I, I, I'll, I'll just say what I've observed in 2020 is I think, as, as cliche as this may sound, Jesus is getting the church back to Jesus um, no. And by no. that, of course, I'm including the presence of Jesus being the center place of the church that we're not meeting to have sermons. We're not meeting to have songs and coffee and cake, and all, but we're meeting with a passion to encounter the living manifest presence of Jesus. But also, uh, and to be equipped by him, but also to just for the sake of surrendering our life and meeting with him. And Him being the focus, I mean, absolutely the centerpiece of every heart, full-blown, fear of the Lord, love of the Lord, married together. We are passionately seeking the real-time relationship with Him. It's as simple, really, as that. Everything flows from that. And, and it, everybody would say that, but obviously everybody hasn't been doing that. Right. And I think the Lord actually has brought the sickle, to, I'm not talking about the end times, I'm talking about he's brought a season of, of judgment, but judgment that reconciles. On, the
0: judgment of righteousness, getting right. your own heart right, conviction. That's
1: right, because he's for the church. He's, right. he, he loves his bride and he's pruning us. And he's pruning away, it's, it's like a heavier pruning, though. Like this whole COVID situation, I don't believe is of God directly, but in the midst of this, the Lord certainly knows how to use situations and one yep. thing that's happened is the church is being purified purified every one of us myself included attitudes issues in our lives uh mentalities of how to do church and frankly churches that do not get on board absolute surrender full-blown openness to whatever jesus wants to do and not their own programs those churches are dying
0: yeah they could. I think it's gonna be accelerated too uh, in this and year. And
1: others are being elevated.
0: Yeah, I think it's this not is- not about se-
1: names, it's, it's about the heart.
0: Right, I think this is a season of dross. We we had to sit still long enough yeah. for those, right. those uh, things that rise to the surface and now they're kind of there and needing to be dealt with. Yeah. And I think the churches that can deal with it within themselves will, will have the authority to begin to deal with it with others.
1: Mm-hmm. And the good news is on the other side of this, which we've already seen uh, bits and pieces of, is there is this, inc- people talk about revivals coming and all that. Well, well maybe so. Mm. Um, we're all pulling for that. But I think the crux of it is souls are being won. And there is a, a door for evangelism in all of its facets to go forth in this season like it's never gone forth again before or, or before Again right <laughs> um, in America, especially because yeah. we became so uh, uncentered it wasn't that I think we lost the ideas or the ideals of these things but we we, we left the center and walking it out in a lot of ways and the Lord I think is not only pruning us for the sake of a bride being pruned and purified but What's going to come out of that is going to be so wholesome and so, um, well, pure. Yep. A, a, a move of revival that is pure is a move of revival that's sustained.
0: Yeah. Um, Dan Muller says this a lot and says, don't let, don't let matter more what doesn't matter most. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what we have done is we've let everything matter more than what matters most, especially in a season of just political madness mm-hmm. and you know buildings in the street on fire and all that kind of stuff i mean that's attention grabbing stuff i call it the kansas city shuffle they make us look one way and they go the other and i think the enemy capitalizes upon that mm-hmm. gets us to look here and be focused on this just to take our eyes off jesus for a moment yeah and so we can be distracted manipulated all those things um so josh i have a lot of people you know that don't believe in Jesus or skeptics or they're cynical or something like that. So for anyone listening that might have that type of mindset or mentality, why Jesus?
1: Yeah. um, Well, he's either real or he's not. I think it's absolutely a healthy question to ask. But, but, the, but the, the other question that follows that up that everyone should ask, if you actually have a, hu- a humble heart, uh, if, if it is true that God is real, it's also true that he says he opposes the proud, mm. he gives grace to the humble. If you are a skeptic, but have a humble heart, and you actually seek to find out if he's real, he will, he will absolutely reveal himself to you. And... The ways in which God is revealing himself in this hour, although they've not changed throughout the centuries, but the scope in which he's doing it is, I think, unprecedented since the first church. I think we're approaching that place. I don't think we're there yet, but I think we're approaching so that when you do seek him, the personal evidence that you encounter is so undeniable uh, in terms of miraculous things, especially in answers to prayer. That mm-hmm. it is ludicrous to, to, to even question if God is real. I don't believe he's real. I actually know he's real. And that's yeah. not some weird state. I, I, like, how, I've cast out hundreds of demons in front of my face. Some, some of them don't even know they have them. Uh, I, I've, I've talked to demons that have, and not because I like engaging in a conversation, because they talk to me who know things about you there's no way they can know women talking in men's voices, eyes rolling Mm -hmm. around in their heads, screaming, flailing, talking in other languages that they don't speak. That's just the demonic part. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I have people in my church that people can come interview if they want, who are still here, who've had blind eyes, deaf ears, legs grow out, uh, every condition in the world healed, internal organs healed, external issues healed. These are just the signs and wonders. But then, in the myriad of choices of gods, I would say that Jesus stands so far above the rest. People say, you know, it's a really shallow atheistic kind of idea that, well, I might as well just believe in the spaghetti monster. Well, yeah, if you're a really shallow atheist, yeah, you, you equalize every god, but that's that's absurd. Uh, study the documentation.
0: You don't equalize anybody else when it comes to things like merit and, right. and all those types of things, maybe in just equal value as a person, but when it comes to the things they've done and all those things, you don't hold anyone to exactly the same merit. So that's kind of of a backwards argument.
1: So the moment you, you begin to break that down, you've already weeded out probably 95% of gods that have been supposed throughout the ages. And then you kind of narrow down to a lot of the, the main religions that we see in the world. And I'm just telling you, if you will call out, I'll tell you one story and maybe we could end that part on that. Okay. I recently just prayed for uh, a Muslim from Turkey. And this woman um, had just left Islam and became agnostic. And uh, I was, I just happened to, we ran across each other online. She started asking me questions because she saw some things happening at my church, manifestations of the Holy Spirit that seemed either impossible or people were losing their minds and on a mass scale (laughs) from just (laughs) the outside view. And, um, I just began to talk to her. Well, I prayed for her that the Holy spirit, I said, close your eyes, put your hands out. I'm going to pray the Holy spirit does something radical and tangible in your life. And I just said, Holy spirit, come, I release the presence of Jesus Christ and no other God that she would know that Jesus is the real God. And, uh, She said, I don't understand what's happening right now. And so what's happening? She said, I'm feeling this, these like warmth and tingles all over my body. For one, I don't understand where this is coming from, but there's something in my hands. There's like gold in my, there's gold dust in my hands. What is this? And I said, well... I said, I actually believe the Lord's trying to show you that you are his royal daughter. Mm. She had been brought up in a home where her father was very harsh and strict. And one of the reasons she had left Islam recently to become agnostic was religion to her was nothing but harsh rules and regulations. And I said, look, it's a sign and wonder. The Bible says that he confirms the message of the gospel. and, And that means that Jesus is the true God. He confirms that message that he's the real one with signs following miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, displays of power, Hebrews two four. So mm-hmm. I said, this is just his confirmation that what I've been telling you, that Jesus is the real God. And why is he the only way? Because he's the only one who shed his blood for the sins of the world. What yeah. I always talk about with the Pakistan crowds that the Lord has me, has opened the door with over Zoom, like preaching and seeing three or four thousand at a time, he saved now, is, uh, I'll say, you know, the Bible says, who may ascend to the holy hill? Those who have a clean hand, clean hands and a pure heart. And the problem with the world is, we all know that our hearts aren't completely clean. So how do we remedy that?
0: We all got some blood on our hands, yeah.
1: Right, everybody in humanity is trying to remedy that one way or another. One process, one philosophy, whether secular or sacred. Mm -hmm. And in the Middle East, of course, and then the Far East, they often... Will shed blood because they understand life is in the blood and there is this sacrifice and these well, people have been doing that throughout history why they've been doing that because there is a spiritual significance to blood and uh so they'll shed but but the problem is there is no blood pure enough hmm. in the entire world because all blood has been tainted by sin and this is the message of, of god that he says but I'm not going to leave you without an antidote. We all have a disease. It's called sin. That's the problem with you. And there is no other thing that's going to fix it at the heart level. We can cover it up and we can try to walk things out and maybe be a little better on the surface. But at the heart level, nothing can reach that place to clean that purity except one thing. And that's God himself coming and shedding his own perfect blood for the sins to atone for the sins of humanity, and i preach that message and the crowds get it yeah because they understand the significance of atonement and blood and and jesus has made a way through the shedding of blood so that when we receive that by faith he actually gives us a brand new heart because the only antidote for the disease of humanity is the blood of a pure sacrifice and jesus is that pure sacrifice why mm-hmm. jesus because he's the only one
0: he's the only one and it and it goes to the show
1: Did shed his
0: blood yeah and it goes to show that throughout the ages there's always been the sacrifices and we could say that's religious rhetoric that's just been passed down you know Mm -hmm. word of mouth tradition on that but it actually shows me that there's been one thing in common from the ancient of days until now and that is the actual desire to purify oneself Mm -hmm. and to be rid of those things to be cleansed and and all that so that's right i I agree with it
1: if if somebody's a little more scholastic in the way they approach things, although God speaks to the heart,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he, he likes to go be. I would say he doesn't bypass your intellect. He goes beyond it. He yeah. goes deeper. He goes a layer deeper, and it's the spirit. He goes to your heart. But as far as the intellectual goes, uh, as you know, if you study apologetics for for Jesus Christianity, there there's more New Testament and Old Testament manuscript evidence for. Uh, those texts than any other ancient piece of, of antiquity, literary antiquity known to man, more than Homer, more than. Uh, There's not know, even a close, close second. Yeah. It's not even close second. And I, all think, prophecies- I think Homer
0: someone has like 500 manuscripts and the Sorry. new Testament alone has like several thousand.
1: <laughs> That's right. And so if, if you read the old Testament prophecies about Jesus, there are over 300 about the Messiah and they are so specific to Jesus that the odds that him even accidentally fulfilling it are, are absolutely astronomical. I think it was a guy f- did some sort of calculation. It was one times 10 to the 18th power. And it would be like filling the state of Texas up with, with, I think they said a half dollars or something up to your waist. And then being dropped from literally space into the right place in that state and pulling out the one half dollar out of the whole state that would actually be, that would be the odds of Jesus accidentally fulfilling those prophecies. Uh, and so he's, he's the real deal. And that's why the power of God backs it up. That's why the miracles are, are backing it up. If he right. wasn't real, there would be no answer. Well, Jesus talks back.
0: He's the yeah. only one who will. The God who still speaks, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on with us, man. I, I really appreciate it. Again, uh, you're one of the most genuine people that I know um especially when it just comes to simply just being faithful to the gospel and letting that not only in, in in the life of your ministry and of your church but also in your personal life and how you interact with people how you go out, out of your way how you live by faith um in so many means um i just i just you're my brother man i love you i'm just so glad that we had the relationship that we have and that we just were able to meet however it is we met, cause I don't remember. And, um, um, if you would just, uh, just pray us out.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, i am giving it my best shot. That's what, I, so, you know, to all of that, what you just said, and I appreciate the encouragement. Um, yeah, I'm just, I think the most important thing, just trying to be genuine is right. That's my one desire. Everything else is God's glory. I can't do a miracle. He can. And, yeah. Well, you've wrecked you, my
0: life at least three times with generosity that I can at least that I can remember off the top of my head to where.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm good at it. I'm glad it was encouraging. Well, uh, and I, I believe the same about you. Uh, your integrity is through the roof. And we've all, again, we've all sinned and yeah. thank God for his blood. But I watch you live a lifestyle of sacrifice and laying your life down and your you know, just going through stuff that a lot of people don't. So I'm not trying to pat you back on the back. I really mean that. So thank you for having me on. And I hope somebody listening is encouraged and even gets saved because Jesus is a real deal. So yeah, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray that kind of a prayer. If you don't know Jesus at all, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, this is compelling. I just don't know, but this is compelling. What do you have to lose? Your sin is what you have to lose and god wants the reason you are here is because jesus has birthed you in the spirit you're not just an empty body the moment you die love doesn't cease if you're just an empty body then you don't even really love your mom or dad it's just chemicals it's a chemical parlor trick yeah think about that you know so yeah. the moment you I die mean, like there's there's not really anything deeper than just chemicals but you yeah. know that's not true
0: i know it's oh man that's actually, i like that point Um, I would even say, you know, you said you have nothing to lose. I got saved in a home office at a outpatient rehab Mm -hmm. by watching a Todd, a Todd white video. And what he said was if, um, make, make him a trade the life you already don't like for his, Mm -hmm. he'll take yours and he'll give you his, the great exchange. And I was like, I'm done.
1: That's it. Yeah.
0: I didn't like me. So if, if you don't, if you're out there and and you're having those types of struggles, depression, all that kind of thing, and you just don't like you, why don't you just go on and give yourself away to Jesus and he'll fill your life with his life and give you a new life. He doesn't promise us a better one, but he promises us a brand new one.
1: Right. Yeah. So let's just pray for them. Just, if that's you right now, I'd ask that you would humble yourself and just bow your head not because you're afraid of anybody else, but just humble yourself before God. Get on your knees, whatever posture you need to do to humble yourself. The Bible says that he opposes proud, but gives grace to the humble and I tell you there's more than enough grace to save you from your sin. And he'll, he'll actually come and kill your old life and give you a new mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. So there is nothing you've done too much. He, he can destroy anything. He's powerful, but he can also breathe life into anything because that's what he wants. He, he brings life and life more abundantly. So if that's you right now, I want you to just put your heart on, on God and say, Father, Father God, I believe that I am a sinner and I trust that you love me because you say you do. And I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and shed blood to atone for my sin. And I ask you now to let the blood of Jesus wash over me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Make me a brand new creation and I surrender my whole life to you, Jesus. I surrender everything to you, Jesus. I exchange my old for whatever you would give me. And I thank you for doing it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Romans 10 9. That if you did that, that he absolutely puts a brand new spirit in, in you. And you're brand new. If you want to contact Trent, I don't know how he wants to do it, but message him or uh, whatever he puts on this, you know, says on the podcast at the end, you know, write in. And say, hey, I received Jesus. He'll be able to forward you to someplace. Or get you some more information about how to grow with Jesus and absolutely that's why we're doing
0: this. absolutely and second um, Corinthians 5:17 is the is the definition of what has just happened to you if if you're now on team Jesus all right Josh um, it's been an absolute pleasure man
1: yep. my honor man
0: and we'll talk to you soon
1: okay.